How are we feeling tonight? Y'all good? Wow. <laughs> um, it's not stuff to follow. Um, it really is. Um, but man, I love these guys that lead from up here. And I just want to say this clearly tonight. Um, I love it because what you just saw is real. And these are a group of people that have real stuff going on in their lives. And they're fighting to believe these words. Like an hour before you guys got in this space tonight, they are literally rehearsing the same way they just led y'all. And it was incredible to see. And so, man, just thank you guys for leading us so strong. It's amazing um, the way they lead. So, but hey, welcome back. It's good to be back after a week off. Um, and I'm super excited for tonight. It's already been a great night, but we got more in store. If we've never met before, my name is Matt, and I get to lead the living room here at Buckhead Church with an amazing uh, team of people. But we're really excited um, about tonight, and we're also excited for what's to come. Um, but speaking of tonight, uh, at the end of the night, if you don't already know this, which I'm not sure how you wouldn't know this, but if you don't, just to clue you in, you're going to get this shirt right here for free at the end of the night. Um, Hopefully we don't run out. If we do, we'll take care of you. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, and here's the challenge. We want all of you um, tomorrow to wear this shirt, to rep this shirt wherever you are. So rep it on campus, uh, as you go to class, wherever you are, we want you to rep it. So some of you are like, man, I already had plans for my, my Tuesday outfit. Um, just, just change it up. And uh, we want you to rep this shirt or at least rep it for like a long enough to take a photo because part two is we want you to not only rep it, but we want you to take a picture of you or you and your crew repping it, and then we want you to post that on your Instagram story. If you don't have an Instagram, create an account just for this moment, and um, tag at the living room ATL, and if you do that, we're going to track along with you guys throughout the day tomorrow, and we're going to choose a few people randomly throughout the day to give gift cards to, so you'll be entered into a contest, and it's just going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, anyways, so just do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be participating. It's going to be Great, but hey, I wanted to start off tonight by sharing with you guys um, something from my past, and, um, and, and it's in regards to my, my driving career, all right? Um, so give you a little context. When I was 15 years old, that's when I was old enough to get like my driver's learner's permit, whatever you call it, and uh, it took me four times to pass that test, okay? So I failed three times, my fourth try, I passed it, and uh, my parents, for whatever reason, were then hesitant to allow me to practice driving, like they were hesitant to put me behind the wheel. Um, so over the next year, I didn't get a lot of practice. So I turned 16 and I want to get my, my driver's license and I failed the first time. The second time I passed, I'm not sure how, but somehow I passed. And, and listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all because your family, I had zero business being behind the wheel when I was 16 years old. Like, I don't know how you felt about yourself when you were 16. I'm just being real. I had no business being behind this wheel. Like I didn't know what I was doing. It was a nightmare. And the next like six to nine months of my driving career were shaky. Let's just say that. They were shaky. Um, luckily, like nothing crazy happened. I didn't wreck my car. I didn't wreck anyone else's car, but I had multiple fender benders. Uh, I ran over a lot of curbs. Uh, I hit a parked car one time and you're wondering like, how did that happen? Yep. As you would think, like pulling in, I'm good. I got this. Oh no. Back. Oh, okay. And it was at church and my dad was the pastor and that was another story for another night, but it was a terrible moment. And that was like probably the low moment of my driving career early on. Um, but there was another moment that was pretty close to it. And it was about a year into my, my driving career. I don't know why I keep saying driving career, but I don't know what else to say. Um, so it's about a year into this and I'm like 17 years old at this point. So I'm actually improving. My driving is improving. And um, so I hadn't hit any curbs or parked cars in like a few weeks. And so I'm just, I'm loving life. And so I'm driving home one night. It's like 10 PM. It's getting pretty dark out. And um, I'm at 10 and two. I'm focused, you know, I'm got my hands on the wheel and I'm like, nothing is going to distract me. Like, no, not happening. 
And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm like two minutes from my house. Out of nowhere, I hear this sound hit the side of my car, and it's like, and it was a sound I never really heard before. And I was like, that's weird, but I'm, I'm not getting distracted. I'm going to keep going. Literally half a second later, I hear it again. And now I'm like, what in the world? But again, I just made it home. I get in my driveway. And so I get out of my car and I'm like, man, I need to see what happened. It sounded like a hawk hit my car or something. Like I'm kind of being a little bit cautious. I'm looking around. I don't see anything at first. And then I walk around to the other side of my car and I notice that it's kind of hard to see, but like there's this white thing that looks like the shell of an egg. And then I notice right next to it, there's this yellow stuff running down my car that looks like egg yolk. And so I put two and two together and I realized I've just been egged. And and I don't know if egging is a thing where you're from, but I didn't think it was a thing where I was from, but apparently so. And I'm starting to think in my mind, like what middle school boys would do this? Because I don't know if it was a middle school boy, but that's the only person I could see doing this. And I'm just imagining them like, yo, I got him. Get him, Johnny. Yo, got him. Yeah, let's go. Best night ever. And I'm like, no, this is a scandal. This is a scandal. And so I'm mad. And so the next day, I'm 17 years old. I'm taking things into my own hands. And so I get up in the morning and I get in my two-door Chevy Cobalt and I drive a mile away to the crime scene and I'm searching for evidence, right? I'm looking around and I see these group of middle school boys walking up to the bus stop and I hear one of them say egg. And I figured they're not talking about what they just ate for breakfast. And so I go back to my car and I see the carton of eggs that I brought just in case. And as they're getting on the bus, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Looking at me like judging me. Come on, this is this is church. We don't judge. Um, I didn't. I, I, I didn't do that, but I wanted to. Like in all honesty, I wanted to do that. But what I did do is I walked inside. I saw my parents. I'm like, Yo, mom, dad, no, what just happened? I just got egged. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, go look at my car. And there's egg yolk running down. And my dad's like, yo, that can ruin your paint. So now it's 1030 and I'm scrubbing. But anyways, it was super frustrating. And I share this story with you because that was like 10 years ago. And I think back on that and I think, man, that was like pretty scandalous. Like when I think about that story, I'm like, who, who does that? Like who eggs someone's car? That was scandalous. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you've been involved in moments or you've heard about things that are scandalous. Maybe when you think of the word scandalous, you think of like celebrity scandals. Like you hear scandal and you're like, yeah, yeah. It's like when those people break up and you turn on the news, e-news, or like get on social media and you see these celebrity scandals. Maybe you think of like NCAA athletics. When you think about that word over the past couple of years, there's been so many scandals with all these different programs and coaches. Maybe you think about the Kardashians. When you think of that word, I don't really have an example for them, but I just feel like everything they do is, is somewhat scandalous. Uh, maybe you think of politics. When you think of the word scandalous, like you just think, man, the political world, it seems like there are constantly scandals happening. Maybe when you think of scandal, you're like, Matt, I'm just practical and I watch a lot of Netflix and I think about Olivia Pope and and the show Scandal, you know, (laughs) which some of you, I watch the show, like I just need to remind some of you, like Olivia Pope's not a real person, okay? She's not. Scandal's a made up show. Um, Carrie Washington is a real person, but anyways, but, but here's the deal. We could go on and on about all these examples of things that we've experienced in our own life or things that we've heard about that we would consider to be scandalous. And I would imagine that when you think about that word, you don't think about anything positive, Like you think about negative things when you think about the word scandalous. And tonight we're kicking off a brand new four-week series called Scandalous. And it's going to be a series that's going to go through the life of Jesus. We're not going to go from start to finish, but we're going to touch in on different points of the life and ministry of Jesus and how it was scandalous. And now I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, oh, cool, that sounds great. Others of you are thinking, that doesn't really make any sense. Because why are we going to do a series on Jesus and title it Scandalous? 
Because isn't Jesus like perfect and holy and like set apart and we just sang about him and like there's, he can't do any wrong, like he never sinned. And this just, isn't it like anti-Christian or like against the rules to do a series on Jesus and call it scandalous? And I'm with you, but when you really pause and look at the definition of the word scandalous and what it truly means, I would just propose to you that there may not be another word in the entire English dictionary that better or more accurately describes the life and ministry of Jesus while he walked on this earth. In fact, check this out. This is what the word scandalous means. Causing general or public outrage by a perceived offense against morality or law. The word scandalous means to cause general or public outrage by a perceived offense against morality or law. So tonight and over the next few weeks of this series, the question that I want you to have in the back of your mind, the question that I want you to be thinking on is this question right here. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I'm just gonna lay it out for you. Like, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. I'm just gonna challenge all of you over the next few weeks, regardless of what you believe tonight. Because I know that there are some of you in the room tonight that like, you're like, let me tell you who Jesus is. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe he's real. Others of you in the room tonight are on the complete opposite end. You're like, man, I love Jesus. He is changing my life every single day. Come on, somebody, hallelujah. And then there's so many of you that are somewhere in between. Regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, the challenge that I wanna put on the table for you tonight and over the next four weeks is for you just to be open-minded and to say over the next few weeks, I'm just gonna take another look at who Jesus really is. And then would you just allow that to lead you wherever it leads you? And I don't know what that's gonna look like for you. Maybe that's gonna be you having some really honest, tough conversations. Maybe that's gonna be you just coming back to hear more. Maybe you're gonna to have to make some phone calls to your parents and be like, why do you guys believe this? Like, tell me more. Like, I'm trying to own this for myself. But my challenge is, would you just be open and will you let that take you wherever you want it to take you? Because spoiler alert, Jesus was born into a scandal. His years of ministry the things he did, the things he taught were considered to be pretty scandalous. And his life ended in a scandal. So tonight we're going to dive in. But before we do, um, I just want to let you know where we're going. Um, tonight we're going to really look at two things, two main things that made the life of Jesus so scandalous in the first century during the time when he walked on this earth. And it's this, Jesus was scandalous because of whom he associated with and who he claimed to be. He was scandalous because of whom he associated with and who he claimed to be. So we're going to dive in um, tonight, and I want to set up some context for where we're at. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew writes this, but Jesus at this point in his life had been traveling from town to town, from city to city, and he'd been he doing miracles, healing people, teaching amazing things, and this is where we pick it up in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Check this out. It says, as Jesus went on from there, as he went from one city to the next, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. So stop. You should know that at this time in, in culture, in the first century, tax collectors were like considered to be the worst of the worst. Like they were hated people. And the reason why was because they had a job to do. Like they were, they were tax collectors. So they would collect taxes for the government, but there was really no regulations on how much they would collect. And so what they would do is they would collect a certain amount that they knew they had to collect, and then they would get whatever they could on top of that. So ultimately they would lie to the people and they would steal from their own people. 
So these people were hated. In fact, almost every time in the Bible that you see the word tax collector, you see and sinners connected with it. Tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors and sinners. They were hated people. So Jesus walks up, he sees this guy named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Matthew was the tax collector. And Jesus says to him these words, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. So of all the words that Jesus could have said to this man, this guy named Matthew, this tax collector, he simply chooses to say two words, follow me, follow me. And what's so shocking to me about this, it's not even what he said, it's what he didn't say to Matthew. Because he could have easily walked up to Matthew and been like, hey, Matthew, like, I know what you've done and I'm gonna make you feel really bad for the next couple hours and you're just gonna sit here and listen and feel shame and guilt and condemnation, then come follow me. He, he could have walked up to Matthew and he could have been like, hey, Matthew, um, you're gonna go and you're gonna say sorry to all the people that you've wronged and you're gonna pay back to them what you've stolen from them, essentially, then you're gonna come follow me. He, he could have filled in the blank for what he wanted it to be with anything. Matthew, do this, then come follow me, but he doesn't do that. He simply says to him, follow me. He offers an invitation for Matthew to come follow him. And this wasn't just an invitation to be like, hey, let's go hang out today and go grab some, some Chick-fil-A and then like, you know, maybe get a latte from Starbucks on our way back. And then like, I'll catch you later on the gram. No, that's not what it was. Like this was him saying, hey, Matthew, I want to closely associate with you and I want you to be associated with me. This was Jesus inviting Matthew into a relationship with him. And it was a relationship that would ultimately change Matthew's life forever. But the story doesn't stop there. It keeps going. Check this out. This is awesome. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, there it is, came and ate with him and his disciples. Disciples is just another word for followers. These were the closest followers of Jesus. So Jesus not only invites Matthew to come follow him, but then he just says, hey, let's go have dinner at your house. And so Matthew's like, that's cool, man. Let me invite my friends over too. So now Jesus is having dinner at Matthew's house, not only with Matthew, but like with a group, with all the tax collectors. And so check out what happens next. When the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees were like the religious leaders of the day. They were the people that supposedly had it all together. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, they asked the followers of Jesus, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And at first glance, this kind of looks like just an honest question. Like maybe they were just kind of curious, like, hey, why is... Jesus spending time with them. Is, what, what's he, is he trying to like convince them to stop doing what they're doing? But no, no, this, this wasn't a question at all. This was a shot that the Pharisees were throwing at Jesus. It, this would be like um, if my wife, Ann, uh, ever says to me, hey, um, are, are you gonna wear that out of the house today? And I used to kind of think like, oh, she just is like wanting to know like what I'm wearing. Like this is like the red carpet. And I'm like, yo, I'm wearing like a TLR exclusive shirt and I got some Levi jeans on and got my kicks. And like, no, no, no. She's not asking me a question in that moment. What she's saying is she's making a bold statement. She's like, hey, reconsider everything. Like <laughs> get back here. And listen, I'm grateful for it because 10 times out of 10, like she is absolutely right. And I, fellas, like it's a perk of getting married. Your, your fashion decisions go like, whoop. It's, it's way better, okay? I'm just telling you that. Um, but in the same way, like, this is what the Pharisees are doing here to, to the disciples. Like, they're trying to, to throw a shot at Jesus. And essentially what they're saying is, is why does your teacher, why is Jesus eating with them? Why is he spending time with them? Why is he associating with them? 
They didn't understand and check it out what Jesus says in response to this. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is saying, Pharisees, you are really good at your religious rituals, and you think it's all about sacrifices that you can offer. That's not what it's about at all. You're missing it. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then he says, I haven't come to call the righteous. I didn't come for the people that want to act like they're perfect and have it all together. He says, no, I've come for sinners, people that are broken. He says, I've come for the Matthews of the world. I've come for the tax collectors. These are the people that I've come to this earth for. These are my people. These are the people I want to associate with. And what's interesting is when you look at the life of Jesus, it doesn't take long to figure out that the people who were nothing like Jesus really loved being around Jesus. The people who seemed like their life is nothing like Jesus, like they're going down a completely opposite path, they seemed to be the people that loved being around Jesus. So maybe you're in the room tonight, you're like, man, I feel like my life right now is so far removed from God. Like even just walking in tonight, like you're like, whew, I, I don't know if I belong here. Like you feel like you're going down a completely opposite path. Let me just tell you, like, you would love hanging out with Jesus. Like, if he was here tonight, you'd love being around him. In fact, the people that seem the most religious, the people that you would think, well, man, those people, like, they would, be, they would love being around Jesus. They were actually the ones who were usually the most offended by Jesus, the most turned off by him. They were the ones that were like, uh-uh, I, I can't be around you right now. People who were nothing like Jesus loved being around Jesus. And y'all, this is scandalous. Like, even today, this is scandalous. Like Jesus associating himself with sinners was a scandalous act. But here's what made it so scandalous. Because if Jesus just would have stopped there, and if he would have just said, hey, yeah, I associate with sinners, but if he would have just claimed to be like a good teacher or a great man, then people probably eventually would have gotten over it. Like they would have been like, yeah, he associates with sinners, but whatever, he can live his own life. But what made it so scandalous was the fact that who he claimed to be. See, a little bit later in the Gospel of John, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, his followers, and he's telling them about where he's about to go. He's like, I'm about to go be with my Father God in heaven. And there's this guy named Thomas, and Thomas has a lot of doubts and questions, and he's just kind of known for just putting it out there and asking questions. And so look at what Thomas says in John chapter 14, verse 5, as they're having this conversation. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? They're like, Thomas is like, we hear what you're saying, Jesus, where you're about to go and stuff, but like, we don't understand. And so how are we going to know the way to where you're going when we don't even really know where it is that you're going? Check out what Jesus says in response. Jesus answered, this is massive. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He says, Thomas, it's a great question. I am the way. I'm the way, I'm the way to, to, to be made right with God. A relationship with me is the way to God. And then he goes on and he says, I'm the truth and I'm the life. I'm everything that you're looking for right now. And then he says it again, no one comes to the Father except through me. He says a relationship with me is the way to be made right with God. He says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Jesus says, if you want to know what God is like, then look at me. If you want to know what God is for, then, then, then look at me. 
If you want to know the way to be made right with God, then look no further than me because it's found in a relationship with me. And this was scandalous. Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. He was fully God, but fully human. And that's something that we cannot comprehend. Like we could talk about that for hours and the human mind can never fully understand that. But Jesus claimed to be God, and yet he also claimed to associate himself with sinners, with broken people, and this made no sense. And even today, it's hard to wrap your mind around, how can you be God, but yet you want to associate with sinners? So here's the deal tonight. Many of you are in the room right now, and you're like, okay, that's great. What does that mean for me? I'm a college student sitting in the room. Jesus claimed to be God. He also associating himself with sinners, that's, that's awesome. What does that mean for me, Matt? Well, in these final few minutes that we have together, I'm gonna to share with you an illustration. And my hope is, is that this would kind of paint a picture of what this could mean for us. Um, one of my favorite places in the entire world to go to is the grocery store. And that might be shocking to you, uh, but I got, a, I got a cart right here. And uh, just to ease your tension right now that you're feeling. I did not steal this from Kroger this morning. Um, I walked up to the man, he's a very nice man. I said, hey, listen, sir, uh, I'm speaking at this thing called the living room tonight and I need to borrow a cart. And he's like, go for it. And why'd you even ask? And I was like, my first thought was just, I'm just gonna throw the cart in my trunk, but you should have seen the looks I got when I was walking out. And like, I'm like, oh, and people are like, what is he doing? I'm like, it's cool. Mark told me I could. I don't know. Kroger on Piedmont, go check it out. So I love going to the grocery store. I don't know if any of you can relate, but, but I just love it. And this is a recent thing for me, like in the past year or so. And it's like my time to refresh and connect. And it, it, I'm not trying to make it out to like a spiritual experience, but it, it kind of is. And so I, I go to the grocery store and, and I usually go by myself. Like I'm like, Ann, you can't come, I'm sorry. And, uh, and I have a plan when I go to the grocery store. And over the past few months, I've, I've been trying to kind of like tighten up that plan. And so literally what I do is I walk into the grocery store and I know, and I go to the same one usually every single time. I know I'm going to first go in, I'm going to turn right and I'm going to, I'm kidding, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I'm going to turn right and like, I'm going to go to the fruit section first and I'm going to grab my bananas. That's going to take me like three minutes because I'm going to look at everyone and be like, that one's kind of, I don't like the color of that. And you know, and then I, I grab my, my grapes and apples if they're on sale. And then I get the lettuce just to try to trick myself into the thinking I'm going to eat salad throughout the week. But I throw the whole bag away every single time. And it starts off good. And then I move on and I go to the section with like the turkey and the cheese. And that's great. I get all that. And then I, I get my meat and maybe like some peanuts or some almonds. And I grab my bread, 15 grain, whole grain bread. I don't know if it's more healthy for you, but it sounds like it. And so I grab that. And then I keep walking and I go down past some, a few aisles and maybe grab like some, some yogurts and some eggs. Um, I bypass like the snack aisles. Um, like I don't fall into temptation and get like the Cheez-Its and the goldfish and the Doritos and all that. Um, but then I get towards the end of the store and there are a couple essentials that I, I have to get down there. And so I can never not go this way. And it's the frozen food section. And it's at the very end and there's like two or three aisles that I always go down. And I turn down these aisles and it's frozen food. And first thing I usually see is tombstone pizza, three for 10. <laughs> and I get three of them every single time. <laughs> I do. And then I see some other stuff like 
frozen tacos or whatever. There's all these things. And some of it, so I'm like, that sounds exciting. And like, wow, like, you know. And then I go to the final aisle, the very last aisle in the store. Yeah, you said it. <laughs> this is the ice cream section, okay? And every time I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then I'm like, what if people come over to my house and they want to celebrate something? I need to have ice cream. So I put the ice cream in there and I get it. And then I go to the checkout line and every single time, like I start to feel a little bit of shame in the checkout line. I'm like, why did I do this again? Like, this is why Ann wants to come with me because she can tell me not to keep doing this. And I get in the checkout line and like, I wish I had a child because I could blame it on the kid and be like, he loves this stuff, man. I don't know what to tell you, but I don't have a child. And so I'm just there and like the cashier's kind of looking at me and she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I feel a little bit of shame. And then I go home and I put it in my freezer and I'm like, man, this is embarrassing. And like when people come over, I feel like I got to kind of, kind of hide it and just to prove to you that I'm not lying, here's a picture of my freezer, uh, by the way. Uh, that's my freezer last night, so I forgot about the mozzarella cheese sticks. <laughs> Those are from Costco, by the way. Uh, they're so good. Um, this is bad. This is worse than I thought. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm so sorry. Um, okay, there's the ice cream. I don't know what's behind there, but... I don't know why I have 550 popsicles, by the way, like party at my house. And then I got like the frozen chicken, cut me a little slack, and I got the Eggo waffles, I forgot about those. There's the tombstones. Um, but here's why I really share this story with you tonight. Because in all honesty, like it's low key, but I, I do feel a little bit of shame and embarrassment about that. Like when people come over, I kind of feel like I have to hide my freezer and I'm like, no, don't go in there. And like my fridge, it's all good. Like go in there, but, but the freezer, I'm kind of like, hey, I got it, I got it, I got it. Cause... <laughs> but for many of you in the room tonight, like if this cart represented your life, you know what's in here. You know the aisles that you've been down you know the things that you keep going back to time and time again, and you see the shame and the regret and the broken dreams and the hurt that's in your cart. And so can I just be real and say on a night like tonight, like you're hearing this talk and how Jesus wants to associate with you because you're broken, you're a sinner, and you think, yeah, that's great, but like, you don't know what's in my life. You don't know what I have in my cart. And, and I need to quit going down those aisles so many times before Jesus wants a relationship with me. I need to make some changes. But can I just tell you this? Change is not a prerequisite to following Jesus. Change is a result of following Jesus. Like look at the life of, of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Like he was considered to be like the worst of the worst. Jesus said, follow me. And he just got up and followed him. He didn't make all these changes. He wasn't like, hold up, hold up, let me take this out first, Jesus. He just got up and followed him. And over time, his life began to change so much so to the point that today, 2,000 years later, we're reading from his gospel. We're reading the things that Matthew has written. But tonight, still, so many of you are like, but man, I understand. I understand that Jesus sees me, but Jesus doesn't want to be seen with me because he's 
embarrassed. He's ashamed of me. And you're feeling this shame really strong right now. And tonight, can I just tell you that Jesus not only sees you, but he wants to be seen with you. Jesus not only sees you, but he wants to be seen with you. He wants a relationship with you. Let let me say it another way. Maybe this will be a little bit more clear. Jesus knows exactly what's in your freezer, but yet he still desperately wants to have dinner at your house. So tonight, maybe for some of you in the room, you feel just like Matthew felt a long time ago where Jesus has walked up to the table of your heart and tonight he's saying, follow me. And you're hesitant because you're like, you see this, Jesus? And he's like, yeah, follow me. Maybe for some of you tonight, at some point you got up and followed Jesus, but you just need to return back tonight. Be reminded of who Jesus is, be reminded of some truth. Maybe for some of you, you need to start seeing people the way that Jesus sees people. So tonight we're going to close with a song called Reckless Love. And in the last few minutes of this night, I just want to give you the space and challenge you to do whatever it is that you need to do tonight. But to take a step, to take a courageous step. So Jesus, we come to you tonight. And Lord, we just thank you that you see our junk, you see our mess, you know the aisles that we go down in life, but yet you're not ashamed of us. You love us. And God, I pray for the girl in the room tonight who's feeling so much shame right now. She feels like she has no worth because of the things that she's done. I pray right now, Lord, that you just put your arms around her so tight. Remind her that you love her. Remind her that you not only see her and you see what she's going through right now, but you want to be seen with her. God, I pray for the guy in the room tonight that that feels weak and feels insignificant and feels like, man, I'm never gonna be enough. And tonight, Lord, would you remind that guy that, man, you're proud of him. You're for him. You're with us. We're going to make it. God, you see us, but even more than that, you want to be seen with us. And that's scandalous. But we thank you that you are a scandalous God. You're a scandalous Savior. And we thank you for your reckless love. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.